Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, since tonight is prayer meeting and Bible study, we're actually going to study the Bible. So if you need to crack your fingers, wiggle them, all anything you need to do, we'll be looking at a couple of passages tonight. We're going to start in the book of Genesis, chapter 14. Have you ever been somewhere on purpose or maybe by accident and saw somebody famous and kind of a little starstruck? Nobody. That's fine. I have. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my uncle took us to Yankee Stadium, and I was able to meet people that I would listen to on the radio and occasionally watch on TV, like Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, Dave Winfield, Jim Abbott, who was a pitcher with only one hand, and he used to pitch, and that was always fascinating to me. Then I remember one time I was hanging out with a couple of friends that I have in New York City, and... A, a man comes into this place where we were eating, Derek Jeter, and everybody's like, hey, DJ. And everybody was like, he was nobody. And my eyes literally started going, you know, oh, I see stars, you know. But I did. I got up to shake his hand and say, hey, DJ, how you doing? Like everybody else trying to play cool, but I really wasn't. I was very nervous. And so I say that because we look at certain people, and as we're looking at certain people, we tend to make people a big deal when they're really not. You know, I don't know if anybody here would like to shame the devil and tell the truth. Um, is anybody think you're a big deal in here? Have ever thought you were a big deal in here? No? Okay. Well, we'll repent that time of prayer about that. <laughs> and so we think of, we can consider ourselves that way or we look at others that way and we consider people a big deal. Now, in tonight's Bible study, the reason why I'm saying all that is because tonight I am going to be bragging, and I am going to be bragging a lot, because tonight we're going to talk about the names, the many names of my God and my Savior. Uh, so tonight is going to be a night of bragging. If you are here tonight and you are not saved, you might not understand the reason why I'm bragging so much about my God, and you might not understand why we have to go, we're going to go through some of these scriptures and passages. Unfortunately, the reason why is because you have not experienced this God that I will be bragging about. But, but after listening to tonight's message, if you really want to hear or you really want to know more about this God that I will be bragging about, please see one of us after the service. We would love to introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because he is a big deal. And for those of you that have been redeemed and saved by the precious blood of the Lamb, let me tell you, brag on with me tonight, tomorrow, and the rest of this week about our God. So as we look into the scriptures, I hope everybody's fingers are loose, loosey-goosey. Let's go into Genesis chapter 14. One of the first names that we are going to talk about tonight is the Most High God as revealed in scripture, El Elyon. Is the way you would say it, El Elyon. And in Scripture, in the Old Testament, we don't see it in our Scripture, in our copy of the Bible. It's been used as God and Lord, and, and I like that, and then I don't like that, because it takes away from the beauty of these names that we will be studying tonight. But El Elyon, it occurs 28 times in the Old Testament. 
It occurs 19 times in the book of Psalms, and it is first used in Genesis chapter 14, which is where we will be tonight. So if you are with me there, Genesis, if you don't know where it is, it's the first book of the Bible, just before Revelation. And it is chapter 14 of Genesis. If you didn't get that now, you'll get it on the way home. (laughs) And let's start at verse 18. And it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of, it says, the Most High God, but that is El Elyon, the Most High God. So let me read it again. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of El Elyon. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of El Elyon, professor Possessor, not professor, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed El Elyon, which had delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and he gave him a tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons, and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth. So we see here, this is an encounter. If you are not familiar with where we are in Scripture, there was a battle that was going on. Abraham used his own people, and God blessed and gave him victory in this battle. Then, out of nowhere, this high priest and this king of Salem, Melchizedek, shows up. Has no, we have no record. So Scripture likes to use it. He has no beginning, no end type of thing as a picture of Christ. And he goes forth and he starts to bless Abram. And as you see here in Scripture, the Bible shows us the Most High God, which is truly El Elyon. Now, he is the Most High God, which means that there is none above him. Now, I don't know if you know your Scriptures all that well. I hope you do because you are a Bible-believing church. If you look at scripture, there was a creature that was created, the most beautiful creature ever created. And no, it is not me. It was he was created and he had pipes and he can sing like no other could sing. And he was the keeper of the throne of God. And he thought himself that he was something because he was so beautiful, had this angelic, well, angelic voice, literally. And yet he he got so caught up in his own self that he was cast out of heaven and he took a third of the angels and even cast out of heaven with a third of the host of heaven. I don't know what the amount of angels were, but it had to be enough that God still had, you know, the rest of them. And he had a lot of angels to go with him. And yet he still even removed from his position as the greatest creature ever created still torments us, still does all those things that he does. Still, if you look at it from our point of view, Satan is a big deal. He's a problem. And yet, he's not bigger than our God. Our God is the most high God. Now, the Bible tells us these things, and we'll see some other verses here. But I do want to let you know that God has, and for those that have heard this before, I'm sorry for repeating myself, but God has revealed himself to us with these names. And the ones I'm only going to use three tonight, there's way more names of God throughout Scripture. But the three that I'm going to use tonight, I'm focusing it on because we are going to go to the throne of God very shortly in prayer. 
And so as we go before the throne of God, I want to focus on these specific names. But there are many names that God has revealed himself in Scripture for us to enjoy. And the reason why he has revealed himself in such a way, it is because in his sovereignty, in his knowledge, which is infinite, he realized that we are going to be going through stuff. We are going to be dealing with things. We are going to be experiencing very very bad things in our lives. And as we are going through these very bad things, these hardships, these trials, these mental anguishes that we are going through, and not just us as believers, but as a world, like more and more, there's so much where mental health is such a big deal right now. And we have all these young people who are committing suicides because of all these things that they're exposing themselves to. And you think, what can God do? Well, my God has revealed something of himself in Scripture. And that is what we are going to be looking at and focusing on. But the very first thing I want to recognize and see is that our God, El Elyon, is the most high God. He is untouchable. He is above and beyond anything and anything you could imagine. He can blow that out of the water. He is that. He is the most high. He is seated on a throne that no one else can sit on. He is ruling over everything. He's not just ruling over things. He's ruling over everything. And when I mean everything, I mean everything. And it's like nothing to him. That is the God that I serve. That is the God that I am going to be bragging about. This God that is supreme, this God that is the most high. When I met Derek Jeter, when I met Don Mattingly, when I met Dave Winfield, I was like starstruck. But it is going to fail in comparison when this life is over and I get to put on incorruptible and I get to stand at the feet of my Savior. I am going to be starstruck like ain't nobody's business. So I want to apologize to you, church, when we get to heaven I am going to sit on my Savior's lap for eternity. When I'm done, I'll let him, you know, I'll share him with you guys, but it's going to take a while. I'm sorry, but, you know, it's going to take a while. So we see this most high God. Uh, We see that he is above and beyond whatever we could imagine. Now, before we go into a few scriptures, we're not going to do a lot of scriptures on this because I want to give you guys time to pray. But I do want you guys to realize that El Elyon is bigger than any problem that you have. He is bigger than any situation that you are confronting. He is bigger than any question that you may have upon his, his existence or the reliability of his word. He is way bigger and above that. There is not an atheist that can stump the God that I believe in. There is not an agnostic. There is not a scientist who can tell me that you cannot explain or you cannot reason out the scriptures when my God, El Elyon, the most high God, has told us in the book of Isaiah, come and let us reason together. So your God, who is bigger and badder than anybody in this world, is saying, I can reason with anyone and still come to the truth that there is no one else like El Elyon. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. All right. So please, if you would be so kind, Follow with me to the book of Psalms. As I said, the name El Elyon, the Most High God, occurs 28 times in the book of Psalms. So let's just look at two verses in the book of Psalms. If you would be so kind as to go to Psalms chapter 57. 
Psalms is right after Genesis. So Psalms chapter 57. Look at what the psalmist says here. Psalms chapter 57 and verse 2, where the word is being used. I will cry unto El Elyon, unto God that performeth all things for me. What does all mean? All means all because that all that all means. So when God says that he will, the most high God, unto God that will perform all things for me. So is there a need in your in your life today? Is there a question? Is there anything in your mind, in your heart, in your life, in your situation right now? The Bible is telling us that if you are a child of God, this is only for those that have him as their Lord and Savior. It says, when I cry unto El Elyon, the most high God, I cry unto that God because that God performeth all things for me. Paul says it is to be in Christ, in God, in this most high God. And when he is in Christ, he has the strength to do everything. And we as believers have that same strength. If you would go a couple of chapters over to chapter 78 of the book of Psalms. This is just a reminder for most of us, and for those that are not born again, this is a call for you to think on what this verse is going to tell us here. And it says, uh, chapter 78, verse 35 of the book of Psalms, and it says, And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God, or El Elyon, their redeemer. So when life is going crazy and the storms feel like it's going to sweep the floor out your feet, El Elyon is my rock. And when I need help in the most trying times and whatever problems I'm going through, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, he is my redeemer. He will save me. Why? Because he's the most high God. If that doesn't excite you, nothing will. All right, so we see that God is the most high God, El Elyon. He is our rock, our redeemer, the one that provides, the one that does things for us. And he is untouchable, unchangeable, unmovable. He is the king of king and the Lord of lords. I love that. I love that. All right, so the next name that I would like to discuss with you tonight is a name in the Old Testament. And it occurs only once in the Old Testament. So since we are already in the Old Testament, let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. As you're going there, again, I'm just going to reiterate, if there's anything going on in your life, in your heart, your mind, just know that God is the most high God. And he yet is willing to incline his ear unto the cry of his children. Genesis chapter 22. It is Jehovah Jireh. And this is a situation in which God revealed himself in a situation with Abraham. So Genesis chapter 22. 
If you would be so kind as to look at verse 14, and Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abram out of heaven a second time, and he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, it, that in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply that seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So we see here, uh, the story going on here is God promised a really old man that I can't wait to meet when I get to heaven. His name is Abraham. And he promised him a son. His wife couldn't have a son. They tried, couldn't have it. Then they get really old. And God tells them, you're going to have it. Abraham's wife, Sarah, laughs. And she's like, oh, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. Shame the devil and tell the truth. And she laughed and it said, this next year at this time, I'm going to come back. You're going to have a seed. Isaac is born. And then all of a sudden, in the process of time, God says to his servant, Abraham, Abes, I need you to take your son that you love. Bring him up to this place I'm going to show you. And... You're going to sacrifice your son. Goes, takes everything that he needs, a couple of servants. When they get to this mount, Mount Moriah, they're going somewhere within that Mount Moriah region. He says to his servants, all right, guys, stay here. We're going to come, worship God, and listen to what the Bible shows. If you want to read it for yourself, he says, we'll come back. We're going to go worship God and come back. He goes, prepares. His son says, "Um, Pops, we have fire. We got wood. Well, we don't have no sacrifice. And what does Abraham say? Son, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. They go. You know the story. He's going to kill his son. The voice from heaven says, don't do it. Right? Doesn't do it. And then all of a sudden, the most quietest animal in all the history of animals had his horns caught in the thicket. They took the animal, which they couldn't hear. Sacrifice it unto the Lord because the Lord not only saw, the Lord provided. So he is the most high God, El Elyon, untouchable. But yet this untouchable most high God has also revealed himself as this God who sees and provides. So as we're going to the Lord in prayer in a little while, I want you to understand that there is a God who not only sees your need, but has the ability to provide exactly what is needed for that specific need. He is a God who provides. If you will look with me in the second letter of Peter. Chapter one of the second letter of Peter. Just because if, if you think I'm lying or you think, you know, I just want to I want to cement something here because this is very powerful and it's one of the greatest. So when I'm going through it and trust me, there are times where I go through it. These names gives me what I need to be able to sustain and be able to stand. Paul says after being attacked, after getting all these darts, he's saying after all these things, stand. 
I can't do it on my own. And I'm pretty sure if most of us are going to be honest tonight, you can't do it on your own. We can try for a little while. You could try for a little while. And when you fail again, you realize that you need a provider. You need somebody who's not only going to see your circumstance, but meet the needs of your circumstance. That is Jehovah Jireh. The second letter of Peter, chapter 1, it starts off by saying, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That is a mouthful, but that's saying you got to be exclusive. We're in an exclusive club when you are, have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So this God, Jehovah Jireh, does not only want to see your need. He doesn't only want to meet your need. According to Peter, the apostle, he wants to give you above and beyond what you need to be able to face the situation that you are in. And the only way to get that is to be in Christ. So, again, if you're not in Christ tonight, please Ask somebody and we'll help you get there. But it is because of Christ that his divine power has given unto us all things, all things, nothing lacking. When Jehovah Jireh shows up in your life, (laughs) ain't nothing lacking. When Jehovah Jireh shows up in your life, he is coming through and he is going to hit that home run way out of the park. That is Jehovah Jireh. So if you're experiencing anything tonight, if there's anything that you're feeling, anything that you're struggling with, anything that has caused you sleepless nights, then you are resting on yourself and not on Jehovah Jireh. If you are going through and going crazy, it's because you are hoping in yourself and not in El Elyon and not in Jehovah Jireh. He is the most high God and he is the God who sees, who provides, and according to Peter, is willing to give you more than what you need to be able to accomplish the task which is at hand. Then we see in the Old Testament, we have Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, that heals. If you would turn with me, Exodus chapter 15. This is one of the weirdest ones out of how God reveals himself to me. Because it's not so easy as Abraham. It's not so easy as Melchizedek. This one, actually, the people of Israel are coming out. They cross the Red Sea. They get to a place. They're thirsty. And when you're really thirsty, you start complaining to the leader and saying, man, I'm thirsty. Even though I just saw two walls of water. But how many times... Do we do the same thing? How many times we go from blessing to blessing, glory to glory, and then one day doesn't go my way, and we're acting like babies wanting water. So, Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. 
The Bible says and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I would put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, Jehovah Rapha, that healeth thee. So as they're experiencing the exodus, as they're going forth and they're going through all of these things. We have El Elyon, the most high God who demonstrated his power. If we can stay here in Exodus, if we can stay at the end of this uh, exodus from Egypt, they're coming out. They're seeing nothing but the glory of God. The people of Israel come out of Egypt. And what's funny is we really don't give it too much unless unless you really dig into it. We can pass by the story because we all know the story. But when they get out of Egypt, the Bible says that they spoiled the Egyptians. You know what that means? They took their stuff. The people of Israel left the land of Egypt with pockets full of stuff, hands full of braces, all this gold, all this stuff that they took from the, from the nation of Egypt. So they saw the hand of God, the Most High God provide. He saw their need, He provided. They leave not empty handed. Then all of a sudden, Pharaoh gets a, a, a little hissy fit and he's like, no, no, you know what? I want them back. I want my stuff back. They're going after the people of Israel. All of a sudden you have Pharaoh and you have this body of water. Everybody starts complaining because in all honesty, they didn't see the hand of God in anything. So they're going to complain and they're like, what are we going to do now? You brought us out here to die. Then all of a sudden, two walls of water come out. And when you think of a big body of water, when I think of just how much rain we had, you go outside and you step on the grass and you get mud on your shoes, right? Rain, grass, right? Earth, mud. The Bible says that the people of Israel walked on dry ground. And I remember watching a documentary and they use a little bowl and it's like, if you had so much air You know, you can open a tunnel, you know, with all this air. And that's how the people of Israel went forth. It was just an extreme wind that came on that day. And all of a sudden opened. They were able to cross the Red Sea. Well, yeah, because that's what the Bible says. He caused a strong wind to open up the Red Sea. So you're only confirming the Bible when you're trying to deny it. And all of a sudden they cross and they get there. And then all of a sudden or you have those people that say, well, it's not the Red Sea. Is this little reed sea and it's small and all of this. Well, if they went across a small ocean or a small little trickle of water, then how big is my most high God who drowned a whole army of Pharaoh in a little trickle of water? I'm just saying, no matter how you show it, no matter how you prove it, my God is big. That's why I love bragging about him, because he's big. He is awesome. And so they were as bitter water. And the Lord healed this bitter water. And then he tells them that if you follow after me. And again, for those that are unsaved, that those are on the fence right now and you're trying to figure out, is this really worth it? It really is, because clearly it says here that if you follow after the Lord, none of those things that happened to the nation of Egypt and those situations that could have happened as they were getting to the promised land, the Bible says will touch you. And yet, like the people of Israel, sometimes we want those leeks, onions, garlic. You know, we look back into the world like, yeah, you know, 
And then when the situations happen, God in his sovereign mercy sees a need and provides again. And he heals. So tonight, my question is, what may be in your life that you're dealing with that needs some healing? What are you dealing with in your heart, in your mind, that may need some healing from the Lord our God, the Most High, Elion God? Could you be dealing with depression? Could you be dealing with hurt from people, bitterness, anger, hatred? Could you be dealing with questions like, why me? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why do I feel so alone? Why am I in so much pain? Why can't my mind just get it? Why do I keep messing up? Lord, I love you. Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to give you my all. And every time I try, something happens and I go way back like the dog. When a dog vomits, for some reason, they just love going back to it. But we do the same thing. And then we're like, Lord, how? When will this all end? How can I get from point A to point B and please you? The only way to do it is to realize that he is El Elyon, the most high God. To realize that he is Jehovah Jireh who does see, but not only sees, can also provide. And then when you listen to the account of the Apostle Peter, goes way above and beyond. I think there's something in the scripture that says that he goes above and beyond measure, overflows, you know, all those goody things. That's what he's ready to give to us. But you've got to acknowledge that he's there. And then he's the God who heals. So whatever we're experiencing, whatever we're going through, God says, I want to heal you. Jeremiah, not this Jeremiah, but Jeremiah in the Bible. Chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. Again, remember, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Okay? Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, Jehovah Rapha, because they called thee an outcast. Has anybody ever been called an outcast? Or have you ever felt like you were an outcast? I have. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Us three outcasts. Here we go. This is for us saying this is Zion whom no man seeketh after. So we see that God is revealing himself as this healer. And he says, I will restore health unto thee and I will heal thee of thy wounds. There's only two types of wounds. Physical. Spiritual. Or in the physical, like emotional, all that stuff. Right. And then there's the spiritual. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I wanted to not say it, but I'm going to say it. I've been wounded. Um, The people that have wounded me are no longer in this church, but I have been wounded. And I've had to come to God and ask him to heal. And I have to come to God. And in order for me, this is the healing process of God. I'm going to be honest. I got to keep it real. 
Let's keep it 1,000. I have been hurt. And in order for me to come to the Lord and ask the Lord to heal me, to forgive me, to bless me, to show me the way, I have to be willing to do the same. And my healing spiritually begins by forgiving. Because I can't come to God and ask God, Lord, please forgive me because you know I'm a knucklehead. And still, the person that offended me, not Jeremiah, but you know, the person that offended me, I'm not willing to forgive. I'm not going to get no healing. I'm just going to be a very hurtful Christian for the rest of my life. I am going to be a very sour Christian for the rest of my life because this God who heals, Jehovah Rapha, I can't experience because what he asked me to do in Genesis to follow my commands, to do what I ask, and you will get your healing, I am not doing. So tonight, if you are in need of healing of any kind, especially in a spiritual sense, you got to learn to forgive. And not only forget to say, okay, you know what, I forgive you, Adam, but don't you dare come and talk to me. I'm going to forgive you, Adam, but don't you dare come and ask me for a prayer request. Or I'm going to forgive you, Adam, but don't you dare come and try to have a spiritual conversation with me because I am going to go off on you. That's not forgiveness. That's just clinging on to bitterness. Forgiveness is just like God who cannot forget anything, yet he says, I will remember your sins no more. When I see Anthony, and Anthony messed up, I am going to never bring to mind or to light what he did, because that is what forgiveness is. And when I learn to forgive, Jehovah Rapha shows up like a knight in shining armor and says, now the healing process has begun. Isaiah chapter 30. Verse 26. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26. Moreover. The light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold. We really could use some of that right now. I need some vitamin D. And the light of seven days in the day that the Lord, Jehovah Rapha, bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wounds. So you see here, God is desperate. Jehovah Rapha, I'm telling you, y'all, he is desperate to reveal himself in your life as the most high God. He is desperate to show you that he is the one who sees and will provide. And just as desperate, he's the one who wants to reveal himself as the one who will heal. If I'm sick, not sick in the head, which you can't fix that, but when I'm physically sick, I'm coughing, you know, everything is going out where they shouldn't be going out and all these things. I'm never going to get better until I go see someone who knows how to fix the problem, which would be a doctor. When my car sounds like a motorcycle and I keep driving my car and it sounds like a motorcycle, that's not a car sound. I have to go to someone who knows how to change that back from a motorcycle sound to a car sound. It's a mechanic. 
And they are trained to deal with that. God is trained to deal with every aspect of our lives. He is, he is the one who orchestrated us. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one who created us. He made each and every one of us on purpose the way you are for a reason. And that reason is to give him glory. And the second reason is to allow him to manifest himself in these ways in our lives. And yet we have everything that we need in God. And we don't take full advantage of it. You want an example? Thank you. I'll give you an example. There was this rich man. And this rich man was ready to die. And he says to three men, I'm going to divide up my all that I have. This guy had he was loaded. Like, I mean, loaded. He sneezed and he had hundred dollar bills to sneeze on. That's how much money he had. And. He tells these three guys, I'm going to divide it equally into the three of you. And when I die, I want you to put all that money in the basket, into the casket. One of them was his lawyer. The other one was his friend. And the last one was his priest, his pastor. The lawyer goes in. Didn't put anything in there yet. His friend goes in and puts half. Then the lawyer sees that and he puts all of it in. He's like, I got to take care of my client. Then they go to the priest and they say, uh, priest, did you put in the portion that he gave you? And he was like, well, I saw that you only put half and, and you put everything, but you got money anyway. And so I said, well, what's the benefit of it all? What's, what's the reason behind it all? So he said what he did is he kept his share he took what was in the casket and he wrote a check for the entire amount and put the check in the casket and he kept all the money. That's a good way to get some provision, isn't it? Good way to get a provision. Okay, you guys didn't get that. No worries about it. All right. So the Lord does provide is what I'm trying to say. He does provide. Okay. He is a God who's going to be willing Willing to give us everything that we need to have success. He is willing to go as far as he needs to go to give us everything that we need to be victorious. We're just not taking advantage of it. We have big problems, but I'm not going to lie to you. Many times these big problems we have and all these situations that are going on in our lives. And the reality is our problems are big. And then we look at God and we look at God as so small. We're supposed to be looking at God as this big God who holds everything in the palm of his hand, that nothing phases him. And look at our problems in light of God, who is El Elyon, the most high God. And we should be looking at our problems like that and saying, well, if it ain't going to phase my God, shouldn't phase me. If we have situations in our lives, whatever it is, Jehovah wants to show himself as the one who sees and will provide. And yet we're walking around looking to scramble. What can I do? How am I going to fix this issue? 
And the one who has the answer is sitting on his throne waiting for you to come and tell him and have a conversation with him about it so that he can reveal exactly what he's going to do. And we leave him right there in his throne. Then we have issues where we need healing. And instead of going to the greatest physician of all time, I mean, I'm going to brag a little bit. So my God is so big that when he walked on this earth, he had a friend that he really loved. I mean, he loved this dude. And he dies. And he knew he died. And he says to his disciples, you know, we still got stuff to do. Four days later, he's right to where his friend was dying. Everybody's crying. Everything's going on. His friend's sisters, whom he loved as well, come and say, you know, Lord, if you were here, if you were here. And he was like, you have no clue who I am. You have no clue. You, I love you. He's like, I love you guys. You got no clue. And he's like, he's going to live. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's been in there a couple days. He stinks. He stinks. I am the resurrection. He tells us the stone to be moved, and he just says, Lazarus, come forth. If it was me, I would, like, I would have whispered, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> right? Just to make a scene and make everybody realize you don't mess with me. I am exactly who I say that I am. But he's, he's a better, he's way better than I could ever be. And so he says, Lazarus, come forth, and he comes forth. If if we were to have a memorial service and there was a dead body here and somebody said, hey, and, and it was me. And so I was like, Adam, come forth. And I get up. All of you would faint. <laughs> all of you would faint. So imagine people there who are seeing this God see the need and demonstrate his power. When you think about our situation in closing, our situation, all of us has a journey, has a story to tell. Each and every one of us who are saved have a past. And we come to a situation where we were the end of ourselves. We realize I'm a sinner. I can't do this. There's nothing that I could do. There's nothing I can bring to the table to earn, to merit this salvation. I don't know about you, but that was one of the hardest things for me to understand and come to. Coming from a religion where you did to get to heaven. And when I came to the end of myself, and many of you that are believers came to the end of yourself, and you realized that I need something greater and better, and you said, I am going to surrender all, and you sing, well, you don't sing it, but you say it with your heart, and the song in heaven is played, I surrender all. I surrender all. And when you truly surrendered all, God shows up. Everything is done. Old things have passed. Everything is new. I'm a new creature. I have a new beginning. I have a new start to my life. And then I get to experience that very God. But then time passes by. And I've been a, a Christian for so long. I'm a little more stuck up now because I'm holier than everybody else. And I'm doing all these things. And the situations come up in my life. And I get even stuffier and a little more religious or, or Christian and spiritually proud. I can't go through this. No, Christians don't go through this. No, 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 no. And we suffer, needlessly suffer 
when there is a most high God who sees, provides, and heals. So whatever your situation is tonight, when we get to our knees and start praying, call upon that God. If you're feeling depressed, call upon that God. We sang a song, when I am glad, when I am sad, he makes me glad. Not when I am glad, he makes me sad. It is when I am sad, he makes me glad. He is my friend. So imagine this, that the God who created everything, who said, let there be light when there was no light. The God who sits on the throne, overseeing everything, sustaining everything by the power of his will, which is beyond my understanding, is willing to be our friend, our companion, who walks with us in our journey, who sees our imperfections. God saw our imperfections before the world was created, which is why since Genesis he began to reveal himself in such a manner as he did. So what is it going on in your life? What is going on in your life that God can't handle? The choice is yours. You can either call upon that God and renew yourself in him, reinvigorate yourself, find that healing, find that provision, find that supremacy that only God has, or you can just continue going on in your path. It's up to you. But for me, I have chosen to call upon the most high God. I have chosen to allow God not only to see me, And to see my need, but to provide. And I have clung to my God time and time again to heal when the hurts of life happen in me. I hope that you tonight, as you pray, will do the same.